Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Thorne, and we welcome you to another edition of The Sports Rivals. It is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe you? Well, our purpose here, as always, we try to preserve memories of classic sports rivalries through the words of the participants. These are rivalries that are described from the inside out, and certainly today, I'm going to give you an inside look at what uh, what is a rivalry in its own sense, and that's in all of sports, where we're talking about management side of the table and the player-agent side of the table. An ongoing rivalry, obviously, uh, for the benefit of the players from both sides in its own context, and we're going to hear that context from these two today. All right, let's take a look at our guests. We are delighted to have with us George McPhee. George is the president of the highly successful Las Vegas Golden Knights in the National Hockey League. It is a franchise that began uh, in its first year with a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. George McPhee was the general manager of the year back in 2018. They have continued that success since then and obviously have become a huge business success in Las Vegas. George uh, comes to the front office after 17 years as GM, highly successful years with the Washington Capitals. He had been uh, vice president with the New York Islanders prior to that. George was a player in the NHL from 1982 to 1989, played with the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. He came out of Bowling Green where he played college hockey and in 1982 was the Hobie Baker Award winner that recognizes the best collegiate hockey player for that year and George won that back in 1982. He has been deeply involved obviously in contract negotiations through all of the years that he has been in the front office and oversees what goes on in that department now for uh, Las Vegas. Andy Scott is an agent and a highly respected and successful one at a very young age already. Andy uh, is a graduate of the Ottawa law profession in the bar since 2005. He worked uh, in private practice, doing work in the areas of mergers, acquisitions, and and, uh, franchising, and then joined Octagon Sports. Now, Octagon Sports is a globally recognized sports and entertainment agency. And what Andy has done, he, along with a, a partner, have formed the Scott Law Group, which now is in the Octagon Sports Department. They represent a number of National Hockey League players, big name players. Andy was certified in 2009 by the Players Association to be involved in negotiations. A lot of contracts, a lot of endorsement work. And Andy Scott also teaches law at the University of Ottawa Law School. So we are delighted to have George McPhee and Andy Scott with us. And how I'd like to kick this off, guys, if I could, is just to say, I think from a lot of fans' perspectives, when we talk about agents and GMs or management people in any sport, what comes to mind is two people sitting on opposite sides of a table and the fight going on about money. Now, I know there's a lot more to it than that, but let's start there and talk about how realistic a view that is from the management and agent side of uh, the sporting world. And uh, Andy Scott, let me talk with you. If someone asked you, all right, 
what is the relationship that goes on between you as an agent and the people you deal with on the other side? What would you say? Yeah, I, I think all the uh, all the experience I have in the business, all the relationships have been very professional and cordial. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that leads to the best result in a negotiation. Uh, in terms of whether you're sitting across the table from somebody, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think most of the of the negotiations really take place, you know, via you know conference calls. I always like to get in front of uh, somebody. I think that it's it's a more effective way of communicating, but you know, especially in this day and age, you know, we've done some contracts here during the COVID era, and it just doesn't obviously lend well to, to sitting across the table with somebody or traveling. And so we've been really embracing the technology of the day. And, you know, even today we're talking via Zoom, and, and we've certainly embraced Zoom and embraced, uh, you know, Microsoft Teams and, and Google Hangout. And I, I've probably got about four or five of these platforms now downloaded onto my desktop and so and so that's you know becoming more and more commonplace but i think that you know this this you know covid uh, period here is really you know leading a lot of us to rethink the way that we're going about our business and going about you know negotiations and whether we do need to get on that bird and go you know meet with a guy like george face to face to get a deal done and or whether we can just you know hop on you know a video conferencing uh, call and, and, and really get a very uh, similar result. I don't think anything's going to replace the face-to-face, -face, but I, I'm telling you, this Zoom, you know, the video conferencing is coming very close and it's something that I'm now using basically every day. And so it's a, it's an interesting thought. George, you guys must be must be embracing that just as much as we are on the agency side, I would think. Yeah, the, with with respect to the Zoom and team calls. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we're 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 doing a lot of that with our scouts, <clears throat> with our amateur staff, with our pro staff. So yeah, that's that's been a a, a big change. We used to bring the staffs in here uh, to have our meetings, um, but uh, you know we've done it enough now that we're accomplishing uh, just as much as. Uh, we did when, and, and sometimes even more efficient uh, this way um, than than having everybody come in. Um, I, I, Andy, I think you're right when you talk about negotiations these days um, being fairly cordial and professional. It, you know, I, I think this is my 28th year in the front office in the league, and when I came in. Uh, in 92 with Vancouver, it was a very contentious time. Um, Eagleson had uh, been removed, Goodnow was in, and then the league hired Bettman uh, a year or two later. And um, it was there, we had a really adversarial period there for maybe a decade uh, as, as you know, Goodnow was trying to do <clears throat> all that he could for the players. Gary was doing all that he could for for the league, and there, you know, it was a the players were flexing their muscle, wanting uh, more compensation, better benefits. Uh, you know, it, that was all new for the owners. It was hard for them to adjust to. Um, and I I remember taking over as uh, uh, Pat Quinn did a, a, a brilliant thing in hiring, you know. <clears throat> First guy was Brian Burke to specifically focus on 
negotiations and uh, do all the contracts and everything else. So that Pat was freed up to, um, you know, make hockey decisions and run the team. He was the president, GM, and coach. And then Berkey left uh, uh, to take over the Hartford uh, franchise, and I came in, and and it was everything seemed to be a fight in those days. Um, again, for all for the reasons I just mentioned, and uh, um, and so then I, you know, that that was my experience initially. The league has come a long way, and nowadays I think there's a lot of cooperation between the league and the union, and um, and we're we're benefiting as a result. Um, you know, the pendulum has swung different ways over the years in terms of the the players having more strength or the league league having more power. And but I think before the pandemic, we were really sort of in a sweet spot where the players were making a lot of money. And the in the the league, which uh, you know the teams were uh, on stronger financial uh, uh, um, foundations, and 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 everybody was doing well. So I, I thought the league was was really taking off again, and um, and and you know we'll get through this pandemic, um, but I I like that you know that the, the league and the union have cooperated and and. Um, and it, I, I think our sport is in good shape and, and will continue to be. Let me ask you, one of the things, and I've read this from both sides, George, uh, I've read quotes where you talk about that this is a business when we talk about management and dealing with agents that needs trust. And the same thing I've heard read of Andy talking about the need for the trust in the other side when you're trying to get deals done how does that hold up when you're not seeing one another face to face? Is it a different way that you get to determine whether or not there's that trust in existence between you and the other side, Andy? Yeah, I mean, you, you build trust, I think, over a period of time. And so, you know, when I came into business, I had the benefit of, of you know, being able to rely on a lot of my colleagues within Octagon, guys like Larry Kelly and Mike Liute and Alan Walsh. And, um, you know, I had the benefit of having some some great mentors that really opened up the doors for me and and introduced me to a lot of the uh, the key players now. Um, but you know, trust you know trust is certainly important. It's something you build over time. And you know, I, it's funny like when I when I think of George, you know, we haven't really cross paths a lot because I didn't have any players in Washington when you were there, George. And, you know, you drafted uh, Mark Mathot uh, in the expansion draft. He's one of my clients, but then you traded him away five days later. I couldn't understand it. And you got his hopes up and everything. He thought he was moving to Vegas. And uh, uh, I've had Nick Cousins through the Vegas organization. You guys traded for him from Montreal. And, uh, but, but George and I haven't had um, a lot of, uh, crossing of paths in my career, uh, but it's funny because you have certain teams where you might have five or six players in that team, and you build, you know, a level of trust with that management group over over a period of time. You know, working through the contracts, but also working through you know a myriad of different issues. Um, you know, obviously, when a player signs a long-term deal, the relationship with the management group doesn't just end uh, and. And, you know, it's a five-year deal. We'll talk again in five years. You know, it's an ongoing uh, communication for things that come up 
during your career, be it injury or, you know, you know, we, we've had a, a lot of players in the St. Louis Blues when they had their Stanley Cup run. And, you know, we, we were talking management on a consistent basis just about getting, you know, some of the, uh, some of the equipment uh, so that, you know, some of the player uh, foreign equipment uh, to be donated to charities and this and that. There's always a little bit of a to and fro there. But um, there's a lot of interaction when you have uh, certain players on a team. And, you know, with that interaction comes a level of trust. And I, I'm with you, Gary. Like, I think that, um, you know, having that element of trust certainly helps when you're, uh, when you're negotiating these deals. And, and again, back to that collaborative style that, you know, the NHLPA and the NHL has shown that, you know, their, their willingness to, uh, to um, you know, cooperate for the greater good. You know, I, I'm, I guess I'm construed as a little bit of an idealist uh, from some, but I, I truly believe that in most scenarios, there is that proverbial win-win out there. And, and that's, I think, the best uh, way to go about things is, is uh, to build the relationship, um, you know, embrace more of a collaborative style, you know, without obviously compromising too much looking for the win-win and, and being assertive, uh, you know, throughout the process. Well, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I think you obviously have to earn trust. And, um, and, you know, if you ever do something unethical or you uh, renege, well, you can only do that once. And because... Uh, whoever you're working with will, will never trust you again. So I, I think our approach here and in, in how we try to do deals and, and uh, Gary, just so you know, uh, um, and Andy knows this, a lot of the deals are done over the phone, um, even before the pandemic, um, you know, to, to set up meetings, to, to, you know, to go do a deal. Sometimes all you get is a meeting, you know, you, you know, a, a lot can be done on the phone now. Um, and we, we've, you know, it have a pretty simple approach. You, you know, you're hard on the merits and soft on the people and uh, you, you just do the best deal you can. Um, you know, you, you, you got to be careful if you do too good a deal on a player uh, you're going to pay for it with that player the next time around, and uh, nobody wants to be taken advantage of. And uh, you know, I was a player at one time. I know what that feels like. Um, I did my own deals with uh, Lou Lamarillo and Phil Esposito and Craig Patrick over the years, uh, only because I just I wanted to be involved and, and really know what was going on. Um, so you, you try to do fair deals and. Uh, you know, win-win, not not anything win-killed either either way. Um, on the other hand, you know, our, our approach is, you know, you can, as an organization, you can survive the loss of of any player um, because players are a renewable resource. You know, they uh, they keep coming, um, but you but you can't survive uh, a bad contract. Uh, uh, in a cap world, uh, bad contracts can really handcuff a team and and hurt it uh, competitively. And I, it's interesting. I, I think of uh, you know, for example, the Boston Bruins. You know, who would have ever thought that uh, you know once uh, Bobby Orr was done, how would they ever recover? 
How would they ever survive that? Well, they ended up getting a guy by the name of Brad Park for a few years who was pretty darn good. And then Ray Bork came along and he was a phenomenal uh, defenseman for a good number of years. And then, um, and then they, they got a guy like Chara for another 14 or 15 years. So they've done well, but uh, again, um, you can you can survive the loss of a player, but you but you got to be careful on the contracts. Interesting. Uh, I wondered in what you were talking about player involvement, George. You wanted to be involved in the negotiations just because you wanted to be involved, Andy. What do you uh, find now as far as the players' feelings about that? Do players still want to be involved? Or are they really just turned everything over to their agent now? No, I, I, you know, part of our role is to get them involved to the extent that they don't want to be involved. We like to, to you know, actually, uh, you know, spur them to get involved in the process because, you know, as George mentioned earlier, there's more and more money in this business. I and mean, these are really, really important decisions. And so every step of the way, we try to really educate our players on, on the strategy that, um, you know, we have going into negotiation and, and there's a lot of a lot of communication leading up to that. You need to know, you know, what the objectives of your client are. Like, do they are they looking for just the most money after tax? Are they looking for security? Are they looking for mobility? And so, you know, they want to go short term. And so, you know, all these things are are really important and throughout that process of really, you know, gleaning their objectives. You know, they're they're learning about the process uh, really by osmosis because you're you're coaching them along the way. And, and you know, I'm a big believer that in any negotiation uh, that you go into, you know, the most important part of it is just the preparation that goes into it. Uh, you know, working really hard, you know, trying to prepare more than the other side, um, and, and just making sure that, uh, that you're going about it the right way. But, but yeah, you know, to answer your question, you know, Gary, you know, the players are my players anyway. Can't speak for other agents, but I, I know that you know, other agents live in Oakland and play the same thing. But they want to be involved, and, and the ones that don't, you know, we we encourage them to get involved, and, and, and that you know even uh, includes getting involved at the PA level. And I always encourage our guys to try to um, become a player rep. To you know, it just it just adds to uh, their understanding of game, uh, business behind uh, the sport itself, and, and I think that it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that when they retire, you know, they'll, they'll feel like they were in the know every step of the way, and I know that's not the style, uh, to, to be quite honest, I do know some, some other agents within other agencies that, that do probably uh, take a different approach to that agency relationship and they might, they might not, you know, I take more of an attorney type approach to it where you see constructions and you make sure that they're informed every step of the way. I know that there's agents out there that, you know, may make the decision and, and get into the negotiation ahead of time and then tell their client what they did. And I think that's becoming more and more rare, but, uh, but that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's my approach with it. George, what do you think? I mean, do you feel like that's the same uh, you're seeing that players are, are pretty involved? Yes, and and they should be, and it, and it's why I 
tried to do my own deals when I was a player. In those days, uh, we didn't even know what other players were making. Uh, I just wanted to be informed. I wanted to be involved in my own affairs. I didn't want to uh, just hand it over to somebody and just um, and, and not know what was going on. Um, we and and it, and it really what I it depends on what your status is at the time. You know, when I came out of college uh, <clears throat> as a free agent, I had an agent because I, I I would not have known how to navigate that. After I was a pro for a few few years, I <clears throat> it was actually Craig Patrick that that offered it to players and said, "If you ever want to do it one on one, I'd be happy to talk to you. And if you're ever uncomfortable with it, we'll just get up and walk out of the room and go get yourself an agent. And there's no hard feelings." So, um, but I, I <clears throat> so I, I I did it that way for a little bit uh, as a player. Um, it's much more complex these days. There's a lot of money involved. Uh, I do think it's important that players are represented um, uh, and, and get good representation. And uh, I think the players are, are really well informed these days, and they should be. And the players are just more worldly anyway. They have been over the last uh, 10 or 15 years uh, due to the Internet and everything that goes on. Uh, they're 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 just uh, better educated and and informed and uh, um, and and typically understand where they fit in the marketplace and uh, and so you know they 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 lead the they're grinding it out to the agent uh, with management um, but they 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 sure know what's going on and they know what their rights are and. Um, as I said before, I think the league and the union are, are really in a good place. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I think because, the, you know, we can expand um, our league now to places like uh, Las Vegas and now to Seattle because the league has been doing so well. And when the players are doing well and the league is on sound financial footing, you can expand, which means more jobs, more revenue, um, better business. Let me ask, uh, uh, George, I'll, I'll ask you this first. I know from uh, dealings I've had in baseball, there have been underlying complaints that aren't usually made public, that agents get too involved, not in the contract negotiations, but in the course of the season, that all kinds of little things pop up about they're not playing, they're not playing enough. Uh, they get taken out of a game when they shouldn't have. Do you find that, does that happen in the NHL of your experience of agents involved in the day-to-day -day goings on with their players? Uh, it, it can happen. Um, there, there's a way to, to navigate through that. And it's pretty simple. Um, I, I think you just, had, you know, we can have discussions with our players at the start of the year and tell them, listen, if anything comes up, um, if you're not happy about ice time, if, if you're not happy playing here, you want to move someplace else, just uh, come and talk to us. We don't need to hear from an agent about something like that. We, we'd like to hear it from you. Just come talk to us and we'll have a conversation and we'll see where we end up and go from there. When it comes to contract negotiations, we get it. We understand that agents have to be involved. But if you really want to know what's going on with the players, uh, you have to have relationships with them. You have to be 
with the players, uh, you know, as much as you can be, you know, if you really want to know what's going on, you got to be with the troops. And so um, we make it clear to them uh, just if they're, if you're having any issues, uh, let's just cut out the middlemen and just speak directly to us and uh, we'll get things worked out one way or another. Um, that's how I've tried uh, to manage over the years. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's worked fairly well. Um, and so that's, you know, different managers handle it in different ways. Um, but that's, that's how we've tried to do it. Yeah, George, I, I can say that from our side of the table, uh, my style is to encourage our players to have those conversations directly with the coach and that that relationship between coach and player uh, you know, yeah. is a good one. And sometimes it actually it will do the op- have the opposite effect when an agent is calling a GM about the fact that a coach isn't playing a player. And it's, it's like, well, why isn't the player just talking to his coach? Why, you know, why are you calling me? And, and, and I've, I've seen, you know, that, you know, some blowback there. And, and you know, really that's a player-coach thing. I mean, to the extent that it gets dire, you know, I think players will expect their agent to step in at a certain stage if it's just, you know, you know getting a little ridiculous. But, um, you know, we always try to encourage our guys that, to, you know, have a good two-way communication with their coach. And to the extent that something's on their mind and it's justified, then wrap on their door and go have a man-to-man conversation about it. Yeah. How much has the international aspect of the game changed, if at all, what goes on in the negotiating process and the importance of having an agent with so many players coming from uh, outside North America in this day and age? Andy? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's often uh, not talked about enough, to be honest. You know, the fact that this is truly an international game and you have, you know, kids coming over. I think a Capo Caco, uh, second overall pick uh, uh, two years ago, uh, coming over and, and not knowing the language very well and being expected at the, at the age of 18 to really just uh, you know, come over and perform well on, on a huge stage. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of these European players are are a lot stronger and go through more adversity in that process than we give them credit for over here. Uh, the language barrier, there's a culture shock, and, and they can come over and still and still get through it and perform. And, and uh, you know, we represent a lot of European players that come over, and you know, some come over to play junior hockey here in North America. And then moved their way up. I'm thinking of a Leon Drysaddle. You know, others like a, a Patrick Lyon is another good example of a guy who came over at 18. Another second overall pick of Finland. And, and uh, you know, it's it's difficult for these guys, and they go through a lot more than their North American counterparts at the same age. And, and they do a lot of uh, growing up, and I think they mature a little bit quicker as a result of that. And uh, yeah, so, so so that's a big part of it. They do look to their agent. Uh, you know, we have a a number of guys in Europe on the ground. You know, recruiting players. You know, developing a relationship. You know, from an early age, and, and when they do come over, that's when we start to get a little bit before that. But that's when we start to get involved in their initial draft year, 
and when they do come over here, we uh, you know we take pride in taking very good care of them and making sure that uh, it's going as smooth as possible and that they're dealing with um, you know all of the adversity but getting through it and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I feel strongly about that when it comes to Europeans coming over and playing the NHL at the young age. George, how's that affected the management side of it? Has it changed the way you deal with players when you have all of these European players coming over? Well, Gary, I, I think it's a lot easier now than it used to be. Um, <clears throat> uh, just the league uh, has, did a great thing and has um, um, uh, agreements with a lot of the federations. And we can, if we draft a player, we can, there's a way to, to to just uh, talk with the agent and get the player signed and he comes over. Uh, years ago, we used to have to deal directly with the federations. And in some countries, you never knew, you know, you had to pay and you never knew where that money was going. Was it really going to to the federation and to develop uh, grassroots hockey or was it going in somebody's pocket? But it's really kind of interesting, Gary. Uh, you know, it, it, like geopolitically, like, I, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years and you can really see the changes in some of the kids because of how the governments are run. And there was a time, you know, when kids were, whether it's Slovakia, Finland, Czech Republic, Russia, these kids couldn't speak another language. They couldn't speak English. Now, when you go to the combine and you meet a lot of these kids, most of them speak multiple languages. Most of them are really polished. Uh, they're really, really impressive kids. And you see how far some of those countries have come and how, the, 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 how it's improved for them. I remember way back, like some of these kids like that were coming from behind the Iron Curtain, communist uh, rule and so on, they had really bad teeth. They they weren't well groomed. They they you know they you know they just uh, who knows what they were wearing. Um, it's all it's it's improved so much, and it uh, does your heart some good to see that some places have really changed uh, in a really good way um, for young people in this world. And so I I to me there's no difference between trying to sign an international player and or trying to sign someone from Canada or the US. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, there are a couple of places that uh, you just never know whether the player is going to come or not right away. But in most cases, it's, uh, the negotiations are pretty straightforward. Guys, I really appreciate it. Uh, a great insight into what goes on on the sides of the bargaining table. Um, George McPhee, the uh, president of the Golden Knights in Las Vegas, Andy Scott, uh, an agent out of Octagon representing a number of great players. If uh, I'll give each of you a, a final thought, if you'd like. Um, Andy, I would start with you. And if not, uh, that's fine. But if there's anything you'd like to end it with, please uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, appreciate it, Gary. Appreciate this as well, George. You know, one thing you mentioned, Gary, at the top was, you know, talking about uh, COVID-19 and how we're adapting. And, and one thing that, you know, I think out of the, 
you know, one thing I was thinking was out of the uh, ashes rise the rises the phoenix, and and you know, we completely adapted a lot of our development within Octagon, and and uh, you know, for instance, we had to cancel all of our camps across North America you know, over the past number of months. And instead, we we did this online development series, so a fourteen part series for our younger guys, where we brought on. Uh, NHL head coaches, general managers, NHL strength coaches, NHL development guys, and we got you know 40 or 50 of our prospects on the line on a Zoom call, and we had you know, essentially these guys present to them about uh, you know essentially making it to the NHL and what they have in store over the next four, five, six years, and um, you know it's just one example uh, of of how things are. Are changing and how you know you know various agencies and various businesses are trying to be as creative as possible in terms of you know just getting in front of their clients and you know continuing with their business and, and trying to find unique ways of of getting um, getting some substance across um, you know to keep things going. But you know I thought of that off the top when you mentioned how how agencies and how we might be adapting to this. Um, you know, unprecedented environment. But I thought I'd add that. But you know, again, thanks so much for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation with George and and with you. And uh, yeah, thanks again, George. Well, Gary, it's been a real treat to to be with you today. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> since I got to tell you, you know, what you were talking. About, I have to say that you were talking about the Europeans and that you know that the 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 health aspect of it might not have been good. I remember when I did a game of the Red Army team came after the Olympics to play at a in a college series, and I broadcast one of the games. And I, one of the matters of hygiene was. You did not go in their locker room <laughs> either after or before games. And we kept trying to figure out when did they wash those uniforms? Yeah. And we never we never did see it happen. <laughs> yeah. Not very often. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Final thought. Well, uh, this has uh, been a real uh, treat to be with, uh, with you and Andy. And uh, I, uh, I think we're all uh, – thrilled to be able to work in sports and uh i think of the the late great fred shiro he had some great expressions and uh and i i think our game is in great shape and i i love that uh he would say hockey is the grandest escape from life and uh life is something we do in between games and uh we're uh, again we've got lots to be thankful for and uh, and we're all happy uh, to be involved. And uh, when you're happy, don't screw around with happy. Stay happy. <laughs> George McPhee, Andy Scott, thank you so much for joining us here on the Sports Rivals. Uh, deeply appreciate it and, and really enjoyed hearing your insights. I want to remind you, you can find the show at Believe.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. You can learn more about our broadcasts and other episodes by logging on to thesportsrivals.com. You can join the conversation, questions, suggestions for future guests, and also follow us on Instagram at thesportsrivals, Twitter at rivals underscore podcast, and Facebook 
by searching for the Sports Rivals Podcast. We invite you to head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. George McPhee and Andy Scott, our guests, and a look at what goes on inside in the National Hockey League and negotiations. Our great thanks to them and thanks to you for listening. And always keep in mind it is the rivalries that make the games. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.